On this episode of Bootstrappers, we're going to speak with Andrew Smallwood, who's a vice president at Second Nature, about leadership, training, and driving a culture that wins. That's next. Welcome to Bootstrappers, a unique program designed to help make your business better. From property management to remote workers, Bootstrappers is here to help your business succeed. Bootstrappers is a production of Anaquim LLC. So let's lace up those business boots and join Bootstrappers with Jeremy and Gwen Aspen. Welcome to this episode of Bootstrappers. I'm your host, Gwen Aspen. And on Bootstrappers, we talk about topics that are interesting to property management and real estate entrepreneurs. Today, we have a fantastic show. We're going to be speaking with Andrew Smallwood, who is a vice president at Second Nature. Andrew is known in the industry as being an unbelievable leader. And so we're excited to talk to him. Bootstrappers is powered by Anaquim. Anaquim has many solutions to help property managers be more profitable. Whether it's virtual assistance, 24-hour call center, or accounting, we've got you covered. And if you're a fan of the show, please share, like, subscribe, tell all your friends, and you are welcome to also participate in our book giveaway. We give a book to the most insightful comment either on our YouTube our YouTube channel in the description or in the bio of our Instagram page, which is Bootstrapper Show. So with that, welcome, Andrew, to the Bootstrapper Show. Great to be here. So happy to have you. So you have been known in the industry as just like this kind-hearted, amazing leader. And um, and that's why we wanted to have you on the show, because I think your leadership style is something that we need more of, not only in the industry, but just like at large. So anyway, I wanted to talk to you about your role first. So you're a vice president at Second Nature. Can you tell us a little bit about Second Nature? Absolutely. Yeah. For those not familiar with Second Nature, we we were formerly a company called Filter Easy, and we really made our name and claim with a filter delivery subscription service. And a couple of years ago, you know, we said it, we felt it was the right time, even before we started launching other products. We knew very clearly kind of what our destiny as a company was, which was, you know, to really expand with everything we'd learned from that service. Our customers had asked, can you do more things, get into other products and services and do it the way that you're doing this and working with us here? And so that's what pulled us into, okay, well then what do we really stand for? What are we really about? And second nature and that name really comes from, you know, it's like naturally occurring. It stands for convenience. It stands for, you know, instinctually the way that should be, the thing should be, that that happens effortlessly. And so, you know, how do we make people's experience in the home effortless? And we started as a direct-to-consumer company, like a Dollar Shave Club, you mm -hmm. know, type of company with a website. And that's a huge part of our business. Um, but in 2014, property managers started calling us and saying, we love this service for our home. How do I get this done for my rental properties? And, you know, that, that's really the second nature probably your audience knows today and, and, you know, the people that I work with on a daily basis. So we're... Uh, yeah, we're basically focused on resident experience right now and really taking the professional SFR management experience to a new level with resident benefits packages. So that's what we're up to. 
So, I mean, as I've been thinking about this show, I mean, one of the things that's just so incredible uh, incredible about your company is your amazing growth. And from the small company perspective, everyone wants to know, you know, how are you able to do that? And so what I just heard you say is it seems like you were very keen on your mission from the very beginning and you had big, hairy, audacious goals. Is that kind of what you talk about with your staff on a daily basis? Yeah, I would say keys to growth. You know, I, I think um, a lot of times, you know, you used a quote from Jim Collins there, right, of uh, a big, hairy, audacious goal. And I, I think there is a lot of ambition at Second Nature, but it's, it's less so a personal ambition, and it's more so an ambition for the industry. It's an ambition for impact. It's an ambition for a vision that we see that's transformative. And I would say that energizes the organization in a way that's really important, uh, that I think a lot of people notice and comment on about Second Nature. So I think that's one critical aspect is, we talk about something, Gwen, called the triple win. And what the triple win is, is it's saying, looking at the key stakeholders in property management of the property owner, the resident, and you know, the property manager, their team, their vendors, network, everyone involved in operations, right? And so it's those three groups in saying, not how do we create a compromise or a trade-off or a win here and a loss here, and, it's, and it feels transactional, right? That's the way property management has felt for a long time, so mm. it's felt very transactional. How do we make it transformative? Uh, and really, you know, you could say rising tide lifting all boats, right? But mm -hmm. when you elevate a level of service on the important things that impact everybody, there's a chance to really change literally the way that America lives, Absolutely. Right. And so that, that's a mission that inspires us. I think that's important. Um, and the second thing I would say is, you know, become known for a niche that you own. And, mm -hmm. and for us, again, that started with filter delivery, mm -hmm. right? It, it was not, uh, you know, <laughs> it was not a competitive space for, for good reasons, very difficult business, uh, not a very attractive business probably for a lot of people to get into. And yet we saw a place, hey, this is where our skills and competencies can really create value for people in an important way. Um, and, you know, I think the important thing is it's like, hey, we were known for one thing. And a lot of people try to say, well, I do this well and this well and this well and this well. And the problem is when you do that, you sound like everybody else mm -hmm. who's saying the same things. Uh, and so it's like really picking one thing that, as Jim Collins would say, you can truly be the best in the world at. What's that gold medal talent or gold medal product? One of our mentors, Jeff Hoffman, the founder of uh, co-founder of Priceline.com, that's what he talks about. He says, find your gold medal product, your gold medal talent as an organization. Uh, and stay focused on that. And so that, that's what we've done. Okay, so I just want to unpack this for like the small business person. Totally. So, so your unbelievable off the charts growth is in part, and just clarify, make sure I'm getting this right. But it's because from the beginning, you've been able to inspire your team with basically a mission-driven company where nobody who's involved with your organization loses. Is mm -hmm. that correct? I believe that's true. And you've been really good at messaging that. So for companies who want to grow, they really have to maybe sit down, the, the owner or the founder, sit down and figure out how are they going to message to their team that this is bigger than just managing a home. This is bigger than just being good in one market or or something that's amorphous that you can't really put a name on and they need to really be able to 
message the true bigger vision so that their people are inspired when things go wrong. Mm. When, when there's a bad day or they're stressed out or it's July and property management that they have something <laughs> bigger to hold on to. Would you agree I, with that? I would absolutely agree with it. And I would say, well, it's not for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. not everybody's goal is to run an organization that way or, you know, find that kind of uh, inspiring purpose or meaning in things. That, that's not necessarily for everybody or something everyone needs to do. So I'm not saying everyone needs to do that. But I would say it is a key for attracting the people that we've attracted into our organization, which mm. is a critical piece of our success, and energizing them. It's like a question I ask myself all the time, Gwen, that I'm fascinated with is, how do you get people to bring their voluntary energy to work? Oh, that's a good one. You know, it's not just, hey, I'm showing up at nine, yeah. leaving at five, I, I've got a paycheck, you know, and that's the level at which I work is in order to provide, and there's nothing wrong with that, and everybody does that, right? Starts out there, but there's a chance to look deeper and say, well, what cause or ambition, right, or, you know, purpose or service could I get inspired by, right? What motivation can I find? that helps really bring out the best in me, that brings out the best in others. And, and that's, I think, a big key uh, to unlocking the energy in an organization okay, that, that so creates yes. something great. I love all of that. So let me just ask you on an individual basis, when you're working with a teammate and you're trying to inspire them for that voluntary effort to, mm. to bring that to the table, do you, how do you do that? Do you find what intrinsically motivates them and try to align their personal purpose with the company mission or how do you actually do that? That's a great question. So what I would say is that this is something I think that has changed about me and that I'm still working on Gwen, but like as an evolution, as a leader, um, I really have come to believe that like questions are the answer hmm. and that as opposed to as a leader carrying the burden all the time of it's my responsibility to constantly talk to this person, share motivational sayings and things in order to, you know, put heat on them, right? To warm them up, so to speak. That really it's about asking good questions. Uh, you know, you said the word intrinsic, right? It's like, it's like a more Socratic kind of method of yes. leadership. Of if you ask somebody the question of, what are you focused on this week? You know, what is the number one thing that accomplishing it this week you know, is gonna be the most energizing thing for you? What challenges might get in your way? How are you, you know, thinking about overcoming that this week? And how's it going to feel at the end of the week when you've accomplished what you just told me, right? Things of that nature, I, I think, I found, hey, it's a lot less stressful as a leader. Uh, and B, you gotta work with the right people, I think. Like, we, we find and want to find people who are self-motivated. I don't think you can, I actually don't believe you can motivate people, but what you can do as a leader is create a context and an environment you know, that makes it easy for people to tap into their motivation. You can ask great questions that bring people's attention to the things that motivate them. So that's what oh, I Oh, I love that. Yeah, so asking the right questions allows them to find the answers themselves and then they're more committed to what they said because they came up with it. But it can still be aligned with the company's greater mission. That's right. And of course, they can become more because they're part of an organization kind of working with other people on the same thing. I have to share something that you sparked for me just there, which is 
Like we believe even in bringing our customers in to important company conversations. Mm. So when we're setting our goals for a year, when we're talking about our vision, our impact, and how we define that kind of purpose and what we're talking about, we have that conversation as a whole team, a whole organization, and we even want the voices of our customers brought in and represented. So we're we're asking these kinds of questions over and over again and including the whole system into it. So um, how do you do that effectively? Because you must have like hundreds of employees now. Yeah, there's a little over 200 people that work at uh, Second Nature today. So, so do you have a company-wide meeting with that many people and you ask for input at certain points or? I know you'll appreciate this. So we, we recently adopted EOS. So that's a, uh. a framework that we use. So definitely a shout out. And you know, th that's a great framework I would say for people to follow. But you know, part of this is, um, hey, not just saying let's get a group of three or four leaders into a room mm -hmm. and for a couple of days and set everything out. I, I would say that's something that is a little bit different is um, we really want to, we're, we're a little more inclusive hmm. in that kind of conversation. And what's great is as a leader, when you, there's like a risk sometimes leaders perceive of, well, if I bring, you know, frontline employees or if I bring customers, <laughs> like who knows what they'll say? And mm -hmm. is that really a direction that interests me? And this, you know, a lot of that comes up. And I think what's important is you can do this in such a way and facilitate it in such a way where it's all inputs, right? It's all inputs. And ultimately, as a leader, you can take all of the inputs, you know, from all, every, all the conversations that happen, right? And what gets distilled out of that meeting. Uh, and there's probably too much to go into in this to talk about the actual facilitation skills that kind of go into, into going through that process. But, you know, there is a facilitation process that works where you can really get out uh, important insights and then take those as a leader and start to reinforce that communication. And that what you said that sparked this for me was the benefit of asking questions is you get alignment because you are tapping into what's intrinsically there mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to throw darts, mm. uh, you know, of what's going to land on a customer or what's going to land on an employee, a key stakeholder in your business. So just to bring this to our key audience, which is small business owners. So if I'm a small business owner and I really want to, um, move my business in the right direction. You're suggesting that we really sit down and truly listen to all of our employees on their take on how the business is going. And then also just take our clients out to lunch or to coffee and say, so give me the good, bad, and ugly. How are we doing? And through that, we'll be able to plan more effectively for the coming months or years. Yeah, I believe it's critical um, as a leader to be really in touch with what's going on in the hearts and minds of, you know, the people your business touches. Mm -hmm. So I, I would absolutely recommend that. And I think it is scary to some degree. You're like, oh, what, what layers of the onion am I going to uncover? But I guess my thought as we're talking is that uh, if you don't know it exists, you can't fix it. And it also doesn't mean it's not there. So, uh, so being bold and taking that risk is worth a challenge. So, Andrew, I think you've got, I looked at, I kind of stalked you on light a little bit before <laughs> this, but it, it looked like you went, uh, you got like four promotions at Second Nature in a really short amount of time. Is that correct? Or That does it, sound right. Something mm -hmm. like that. So, 
obviously Second Nature has a good training program where it's developing its people. And that's something that small businesses struggle with so much because they're just trying to get the day-to-day done and uh, they want to develop their people. But when you're doing, you know, wearing a bunch of hats, it can be hard to know what to do, how to do it and execute it. Can you give us any tips from your experience on what has worked with for training with mm. your organization? Absolutely. So, you know, a couple things I would share is that um, it, first off, that just that reinforcing the idea that training is important and that training can be worth investing in uh, and that training is something to be committed to. And as an organization, I would say culturally, we value creating a place where every time we see you, you know, let's just say an employee, right? Every time we see you, we want to see a better version of you. And we're partnered and involved in that process. We've got resources and resources does not always mean like, hey, we're paying for a bunch of courses and things like that. Um, I would say that's not, not even really the norm at Second Nature, but every single week we have dedicated time and our team comes together and we talk about what's working. We talk about uh, what isn't working, right? And what's, what's going through it. The, we get a sense of, again, through talking and understanding and listening, you know, what are the greatest needs of our team right now? Uh, what are the things that people need to know? And, you know, start to move those topics into, into trainings to help level up the, the shared understanding in the organization, which I think a lot of people as they go from small business, I remember running an extremely small team. It, it started with just me. Uh, <laughs> so extremely small. And then uh, and starting to work with the team. And what I realized you know, was early on, it was really just a matter of my communication and level of personal organization and really my energy that kind of moved uh, the business early on. But as soon as I wanted to go beyond a handful of people, uh, and really influence or lead a whole network as opposed to just managing a couple of folks, it really takes um, you know, developing others who can get involved in that process. And so you know, training people in leadership, training them in uh, these kind of skills and investing into it as an organization of having dedicated time, whether it's each week, month, however you want to structure it, um, you know, it's something I would definitely encourage people to do. So that almost sounds like your organization's committed to mentorship. Hmm. Is that Would that be the word that you would use when people are uh, bringing up good ideas in the bigger meetings, that you're kind of taking them aside and maybe asking the questions and, and uh, helping them level up so that they can bring it to the next level? Is that the how? So I- I would definitely say like we've invested into great, into great managers and into great leaders in our team. That, that's true. And I would say, you know, perspective I hold, the way I define it, Gwen, is like we actually believe every person on our team is a leader. Um, and I would say like something, something we're actively talking about is not labeling like a leadership team as if, hey, there's a leadership team and then, and then, then there's, there's, everyone, there's else. everyone else, right? We really operate as a team. When people see us at conferences like this, where we're recording this episode, something they often comment on is like, you guys roll as a squad and everybody's doing things. I'll, I'll give an example. Um, so Shannon Hurlman and Alexander Hurlman, their sister-in-law is on our team. Um, you know, we had an opportunity at NARPM National in a previous year. We said, we want to we want to do something that we've never done before that makes our customers feel amazing, appreciated like they've never been appreciated before. And you know, in order to do that, we're going to have to 
you know, pick some of these VIP customers. You guys are tasked with picking it. Here's your budget. Be creative. Go figure it out. And they took so much initiative. They read a book called uh, Giftology by John Rulin that's a favorite of our organizations. Um, and, I mean, Gwen, it was unbelievable to see people posting on social media, um, people coming up to us and saying, like, when they gave me this gift, like, I was moved to tears. The kind of impact it was happening versus... So we should tell people what the gift was, because it was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was like, wasn't it the cars to the... the was that part of it? I well, that, that was part of the whole experience. And that was actually another person, Ben Smith, I want to give credit to, uh, you know, who coordinated the whole rides from the airport. We literally... Yeah, we have, to, we have to talk about how, like, crazy that was, because it was pretty <laughs> amazing, to, just to give an example of the level of commitment you had to it. Because for small businesses, we're not talking, like, here's your mug with, you know, best dad award. We're, we're talking about something that really makes a significant gesture. So, mm. so what was it that you all did there? Yeah, I'll tee it up with like a mantra in our team is not asking what's the least we can do, but what's the most we can do. Mm. And I think there's an ethic in our company of just, and part of leadership, I believe, is being radically generous. Radically generous. Radically generous. And, and so what people notice at NARPA National, we call it a lightning strike internally. And so this is like pulling back the curtain here. All right. We call it a lightning strike. It's like it's a magnetizing type of event, you know, for attention. It was. Um, I was there. I remember, and there was like a guy with like all the lights on him on stilts, and I was like, "What is this? What has this done to our industry?" Was really what I was thinking. That's right. And so the elements you're calling out, some of the things that we did, um, Ben Smith and our whole team got involved with. Uh, we got black SUVs. Uh -huh. We rented a Ferrari for a day as well. We mixed one of those in there. And we transported people for two days straight from the airport to the hotel, which was a lot of fun. And when they got in, we had this VIP bracelets and check-in experience and handed them a bottle of water and everything. Like, just totally treated. We just said, how? what is the most amazing treatment we could possibly give to people to enhance their experience this week? And it started there. And it continued on with the party you're referencing. Bob Hansen really did to credit for that. Uh, yes, he had the light walker, like this guy on stilts. Oh with my LEDs. God, it was wild. There was a guy drawing like digital caricatures. We had, we had, um, but my favorite was that Andy Propst, uh, CEO of Home River Group, one of our clients, we got him in one of our purple suits and he's behind the DJ set. Yeah. He, DJ Waffles is his DJ name, which <laughs> DJ is hilarious. DJ Waffles. And he crushed it. I mean, I had a great time. I remember that. So. Okay. So, you know, we did the gifting campaign where there was a room drop for folks. Um, we created an oasis room where people, we, we gave uh, 70 different massages out. That's uh, over, right. Not us, fortunately. Like, we hired a professional. But uh. <laughs> So our companies obviously won't be able to do those things. But what, right. what telling that story says is be super creative, be super generous to your clients, and then they'll do the selling for you and, because they're just, I mean, your net promoter score after that had to be like... <laughs> but you want your people to be the biggest fans possible, especially with social media. Yes. I, I think, um, so here could be the takeaway. And I think a lot of people see the effort, you know, that Second Nature puts in today and the resources we dedicate to that today and might think that's not for me. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is, I mean, I'll just share this, just being real direct about it. Um, our company is not nearly as large as some of the billion dollar software companies that are out there, right? Like part of mm. it is just a real commitment to mm. saying, this is the way we do things. That's part of it. The other part of it is it doesn't have to cost a lot. Like here's the funny thing about 
the, the resourcefulness of it all. Renting those black SUVs, it was like, you know, 70 bucks a day uh, for an SUV. Mm. It's like, yeah, we could have gotten a limo. And like, you can find resourceful ways to do things. Um, but who really wants to ride in a limo? And <laughs> I mean, I mean, the SUV is like a little bit, I, I, yeah, it was even better and you didn't sure. have to pay as much. So your resourcefulness, you were, you did it with style, That's I guess. Right. It, in personal touch, I think what people notice is, is there genuine and authentic care mm. you know, that's coming through? Like what's most important is not uh, the physical aspect or the cost of what you're doing or saying, I'm gonna spend this much. It's about the feeling. The way, the way we think about it is, uh, just like a boat has a wake you know, behind mm-hmm. it, everything you say, everything you do, every interaction you know, is an opportunity that's gonna leave an emotional wake with somebody. Mm. So being really intentional, again, about being radically generous, we try to be thoughtfully aggressive. And a lot of it takes, uh, I'll just give an example of like zero expense. We had an event we were supporting for the National Rental Home Council. And Laura Mack on our team hand wrote 40 notes uh, that got sent out before the event to folks. Um, and that made a huge impact. There were people emailing, texting. I mean, who gets a handwritten note anymore? Right. And the point is this, you know, we care about the relationships that we have. And we say, like, we're just, we're going to not double down, triple down on that and say, you know, what can we do to really give first, be radically generous and invest into the relationships that matter to us and make people really feel that. Um, so that, that's kind of where that comes from. So, okay, so you've scaled like crazy and you have this amazing mission. You have a very deliberate way of treating both, it sounds like, anyone you interact, interact with. Now you have to scale it to 200 <laughs> employees, which is not easy, and countless more clients. What have been the steps that you've taken to make that scaling process work? Because here's here's the problem, and this is for small businesses as you're trying to get work on the business, not in the business, and you're the founder, owner, and you're stepping away from the day-to-day, it is a challenge to make sure people continue to operate the way that you would when you're not there. And so that's what the challenge of scaling is. So what were some of the steps you took to make sure you didn't lose who you were in that process? Yeah. I- I think a lot of that comes down to, and, and I will say it is not perfect over at Second Nature. You know, <laughs> it's not, it's not perfect. Well, nothing's today, perfect. But. I mean, progress over perfection, but it does sound like, regardless of the perfection, every day you guys are committed to your core values. That's what it sounds like. It, but. So I'll give a really practical tip on this, I think. So, you know, while we aren't perfect, I would say, we are proud of this. It's something that we, we feel effective in doing. And when, when people compliment our culture or ask us to speak at a conference on culture, you know, the core values absolutely comes to mind. You know, we have this, we have really two, two assets that I would recommend anyone creating for themselves. One, of course, is their company core values, which you reference. And every single Monday morning, we have an all hands call, Gwen. And the way it happens is a transparent update from our CEO and department leaders sharing, here are the results. You know, here's where we are. Here's how we're tracking against the goals that we set at the beginning of the year. And there's a great transparency and accountability that takes place there that I think... How helps. long is that meeting? Ooh, it's it usually goes about 30 minutes. Uh, sometimes it can run over if we're really having fun. Uh, <laughs> it's a 40 minutes. But it's a quick update like that. And then what follows and is... And everyone on at the company is on that? Everybody's on that. Even That's like... kick off the week. Okay. And so... 
The second part of it, though, is the important part that I think people could take away. Part of this is leveraging technology of today. Uh, and we leverage Zoom for this. But in Zoom, you can create breakout rooms. And, and most people, if they're talking about a core value, the way we used to do this exercise years ago was um, we would have you know, a core value of the week. And somebody on a leadership team you know, would, would get up there and say, here's the core value of the week, a couple bullet points under it. Here's an inspiring story or example. Does anyone have anything else they'd like to share? A couple people share, and that was it. What we started doing that I think is a great takeaway for folks, and it doesn't matter even if you have four people, this will be more effective, is we would get people into breakout rooms, and you can do this at scale, and ask a question, right? Of I'll just give you an example of one of our core values, relentlessly resourceful, right? Being relentlessly resourceful is one of our core values. And so we can just say, you know, Gwen, everybody, think about a time where you saw you know, somebody being relentlessly resourceful, where you saw, you know, relentless resourcefulness at its best. Think about those kind of stories. And it could be a different question, like think about an opportunity this week where you can see really being relentlessly resourceful, making a big impact, having a big difference, right? And what happens is you get people into conversation together about the core value. It's mm. much more engaging than a lecture format. Yeah, you know, for <laughs> type sure. Of, type of thing. So that's a practical thing to engage people in the core values every week. Um, think of good questions that can get a conversation going about what that core value really means, how it gets brought to life, examples of when it's been at its best, how you, you could be at your best with it this coming week. And you do that week after week, rotate those core values. I mean, you start to see that really ingrain itself in the organization. Um, so I think that's a big one. The other asset really quickly is what we call a credo. It's like a Navy SEAL type of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's where the you know, radical generosity and uh, what's the most we can do, not the least we can do. Things like that, those mantras really live in that within our sales team. So you have the core values and then you have like the- a team credo. Team credo. That's right. And, so and I'll share these with you actually if you I wanna. would love for, for uh, the audience to see what those are because one of the challenges I think with small companies is yes, many of us have done the mission, vision, values, and then we don't know how to really engage it. But what I'm hearing you say is if, if the owner of the company does want to step away more from the operation, they have to live and die by those values because that's the way the culture will will exist while you're not there in the operations every day. So if people aren't doing the the living, breathing values credo, then the co the company will maybe lose its flavor over time. Yeah, I think there's a couple of keys. One is if you have to be able to push the decision making, right, down mm -hmm. and throughout the organization, mm -hmm. and in order to do that. You know, the values and principles, right, that are communicated and how well those are understood and internalized is going to guide, you know, the level of trust you can have in the decision making happening throughout the organization. That's an aspect of it. The other aspect is really just shared understanding. We talked about that earlier. Mm. And, and that's where that first part of that Monday update of here's where we are, here's what's going on, here's what's changing, here's important things that we all need to know so people can act from a place of, you know, I've got enough information to confidently make good decisions. Mm. So good communication as well as the shared values. That's right. And then good and then that mentorship along the line so that you're always developing the next leaders well everybody's a leader but developing everybody who has leadership qualities because they're at your company is how you've been able to successfully scale i think those are the keys 
Do you have any other big tips for people who are trying to scale? Maybe they're trying to go into a different market. Um, maybe they're just going gangbusters and they have more people on their team than they've ever managed before. Yeah. Uh, tips for people as they're scaling and getting big. I think it's, I would go back to what we said earlier of really become known for something and really beat mm. that beat that drum you know in the marketplace because I think so many times people get caught in the game of better faster cheaper and I think there's a lot to be gained if you're really trying to scale and do something big um, you know to look at different not different. better there, there's like an incremental value different, to better yes. different like hey this is it's so much better that you can't even call it like a better version of something else. It's different. It's its own thing. Um, and just, that's big. just beat it uh, like a dead, not a dead horse because it sounds negative, but be talking about that one thing all the time. Because I, I think people get sick of it themselves. Yep. It's like if you're a pop singer and everyone's like, hey, sing Call Me Maybe. And you're like, I hate Call Me Maybe. You know, I've <laughs> saying that like 5,000 times. But in our business, we kind of have to get comfortable with that and be that because it takes people eight times to hear something to remember it. Yep. And that's kind of the brand. An a good example of this might be like bakeries. If you think mm -hmm. about bakeries are extremely competitive. Mm. Right? There's a ton of them. There's small businesses that are running on the, you know, on the edge, trying to keep payroll going, et cetera. And many of them fail, much like the restaurant business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's an inspiring company that's really scaled, uh, you know, in that industry called Nothing Bunt Cakes. Oh, yeah. No, I no, I love them. Right. Yeah. So they're not a bakery. Right. But they said, Bunt Cakes. We're going to just focus <laughs> on this one thing. We're going to do yeah. it better than anybody else. It's what we're going to be known for. Right. And... Holy cow, they've got locations all over the place. The leader, she's amazing. Um, I mean, it, it's really great what they've done. And now they've expanded, you know, from that into other foods. It's, I'm know, passionate about nothing but cakes. Those <laughs> things are amazing. They're so delicious. No, you're right, though. They perfected one recipe. And so you, it's like uh, trying to be everything to everyone never works. So figure out how to be different is what you said earlier. And I think that that is really important, especially in the property management space where it's getting more competitive, um, big money's coming into the space. And so smaller operators are going to really have to differentiate and kind of now's the time to be That's successful. Right. Okay. Well, this has been great. I have two extra questions for, or two more questions for you. One is what is your favorite business book this week? I'm going to say this week because I know it's a hard question. <laughs> That's right. It's like picking a favorite child. Yeah. That's right. Um, <laughs> you, you know, a couple, one or two books that I'm reading right now that I was, how about this on, on the point we were just talking about, mm -hmm. there's two books I would recommend by the same author and his name is Chris Lockhead. He's kind of like this pirate personality. He's not for everybody. He's got some adult language and things like that mixed in. But um, he has a book called Play Bigger. Play Bigger. Play Bigger. And it's really this story uh, and, and the concept they call it for this differentiation we're talking about is called category design. Mm. And so it's saying, what's the category you play in and are you designing it at the category level, not at the brand or company level? Mm. And that's really just defining what's the problem you solve that mm. you're known for as opposed to the solution that you're known for. Um, anyway, so that's like a, hey, if someone's really trying to build something big, the next... 
Facebook, Google, what have you <laughs> kind of company, then you know that would be a great book to read. He's got another book though called Niche Down. Niche Down. Niche Down. And that's more of the nothing bunt cakes. That's more of the realtor who's known as the, you know, the animal loving realtor, right? That uh, right. helps every pet find their dream home and their owners to, you know, they're, they're getting a different message and signal out in the marketplace that's helping them grow and scale at that level. But it's, it's finding that niche. And I think the two together, probably people could find what they want about what we were just talking about in one of those books. Oh, awesome. I love that. Okay. So biggest boneheaded move. You didn't get to where you are by doing everything perfect. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, cause you have to, the, you have Definitely to fall not. hard. So you learn big and then move up from there. So do you have a favorite boneheaded move that you'd like to share with the audience? I, I have too many boneheaded moves <laughs> to share Gwen, but I would say a lesson that I feel like I've learned and definitely the hard way is that you can't, you really, if you want to do something really great, really meaningful, really special, uh, that you can't just hustle and grind your way there. And there will be people on my team who say like, Andrew, we see how much you work and this, like, have you really learned that lesson? <laughs> but I, I think I have, because it's not about, um, man, how do I just put all the, there's always things to do. And it's about really getting prioritized and saying what really matters, what's really going to move the business, what's really going to take us forward, who is the best person, you know, to do that. And, you know, that's something that we really appreciate about Anaquim and what you guys do is that it offers so many people to get out of like being in a freelance kind of role. Yes. Like really they have a job. Uh, that there's, you know, they're on a treadmill and uh, maybe they do their job a little bit better every year, but it's a hustle and it's a grind and they can't seem to get off of it. And what I feel like Anaquim and your company does so well for so many of our customers that we share is it helps them get off of that treadmill and into the role of a business owner who's thinking strategically, who's really focused on the things where they can leverage their skills, expertise, judgment in a big way and develop an organization and systems, right, that operate uh, to, to run the business on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I think that's a critical lesson. And obviously, if people are listening to this podcast, they're probably getting better versions of what I just said from you and other guests. No, no, I think that that's so critical is that it is a hustle. We are all hustling every day. And I think why we come to the Property Management Mastermind Conference, which we're at right now uh, in Texas, is so that we can step away from that and really think strategically. And that's kind of my big takeaway from everything that you've discussed. I mean, we're here talking about leadership, but it really starts with a strong vision that you can clearly articulate to the team um, and then pursuing that vision with strong values and credo, and then every day working towards making sure that your customers and your employees know exactly where you're going and what you're trying to do. Is that, would those be your big takeaways as far as a I think that's a great leadership? summary, Gwen. Well said. Okay. <laughs> well, it's been such a pleasure, Andrew, to have you on the show. And we always have a good, a good book giveaway. And so I think our book giveaway is going to be Andrew's favorite book, Play Bigger. And who's the author of that? Christopher Lockhead, amongst others. But he's Christopher the Christopher Lockhead. And so if you'd like to participate in the book giveaway, if you wouldn't mind uh, leaving us a comment, giving us some feedback, either in our description of our YouTube channel or in our bio on our Instagram, Bootstrappers Show. That's a wrap. We'll see you next week. 
This has been Bootstrappers, a unique presentation designed to help you better understand how the world turns. Contact Gwen or Jeremy at posts at bootstrappers.club or visit our website, anaquim.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, and our YouTube channel. Thank you and join us next time for Bootstrappers.